When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. All right, this is a 30-second commercial, and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but please stay with me. In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This company has been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years. I didn't know that little lizard was over 75 years old. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of those trained specialists. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company's called Geico. Go to geico.com today. Sorry for all the numbers, and in 54321... We're out of time. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Now, now it's time, and now... There's that radio guy. He just was on there, Zuckerman. And now, it's Spike's Car Radio! (laughs) (laughs) Who is that guy? Will, what was his name? His name was Rich. Rich, while yeah. you're feeding back there. Did you I, hear that? I'm very close to the speaker here. In this All right, studio, be so careful. Uh, Rich, Rich's greatest contribution to Podcast One was one, hiring me, and two, doing, Welcome to Space Go Radio now! I miss Rich. He was great. It was really exciting back in the Rich days, wasn't it? <laughs> it felt <laughs> like real that, radio. Was it that different? Well, he was the only executive that was really around. Yeah, it was like having a radio executive yeah, I mean, his here. His office was literally right here in the booth. Yeah. So. And then for the longest time, I had no idea that was his voice in the front of it. And then I, I started to see what a rinky-dink operation this was. It's really <laughs> a Rube Goldberg machine. That's amazing. Zuckerman, I feel like you and I have not been together we, for months, my we friend. We have not. Get now, close to that mic. Okay. <laughs> Look, we you have, well, don't have no, to put I'm your back away on. from the headphones because it's so freaking loud in the headphones. Oh, well, we can control that. That's here, what here. I'm That's to right say. here. What is this? This one. Okay, listen here. How's that? Is that lower, better? Lower, lower, lower. How's that? Good? That's better. So, because when you're shrieking like rich, um, <laughs> rich. My, yeah. Rich. My ears were bleeding. How are you? I'm terrific. Are you? I'm all right. Where, why haven't we seen each other? What's been going on? Well, I feel like we just did a show last I had, week. Okay, I had vacation. Right. Then you went into production oh, right, on right. a television I've show. been working. You've been, been working. Okay. And then I was down in Mexico last weekend, and here we are. Wow. Well, there you go. There yeah. you have it. Well, there's a lot to talk about, as you've noticed here on the Death Suckerman. Our sponsors, the Valvoline guys, responded. I guess you said, send us some stickers they sent us, they sent us shirts and stickers and Valvoline cozies. Look, that box is for you. I, what am, I took okay. what, I, what I want out of it. You can have the rest. Okay, so what am I going to do with this shit? <laughs> oh, 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 what is this? This is a, a Valvoline pad. Is it a sticky pad? I don't know. There's I a lot of good stuff in there. in there. But where's the stickers? I, I, that might be the stickers. Open that up. That could be a pad of stickers, or it could also be like a prescription pad. I think it's a post-it notes pad. I'm going to prescribe you but one. I don't, I, Hot oil enema. (laughs) You're already getting into it. Um, Before we even get into that, um, uh, we got nine days left, and it'll be even fewer, eight days left, to get the new Spikes Car Radio t-shirt. Look, Zuckerman, I'm wearing it. Plan Z, right here. These are stickers. They are stickers. Look at that. shit. We have, this must be 400 stickers. 
I've never seen an adult get excited about stickers like James. <laughs> My son's like, okay. what, what are you going to do with these stickers? I want to put them everywhere. <laughs> and then and I'm going to start. You know what I'm going to do, Ferris? What? what are you going to do? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. What? I'm going to go to your neighborhood. No, don't. Yes, I am. You're not welcome there. I'm not going up specifically to your neighborhood, but in the <laughs> shopping areas that you frequent. And I am going to sticker certain areas, and you're going to start seeing. Valvoline with your, stickers? Yeah, with your little beady eyes, you will eventually see Valvoline stickers at certain places that you go to. This is one of the things you do. And and by the way, we're going to be up in Pebble in a week, and one of your favorite pastimes goes on in that hotel. Tell everybody what that is. Well, you know, there is a pad outside. <laughs> each and every elevator at every floor. And when I see those pads, I constantly leave you messages so that you never feel that you're lonely. There's or, always or, a message. Or anybody else yeah, who happens a, to be waiting. A message for and you. And what is the message that you leave every time? I love time. to draw you a big fat penis right on those pads. And then, so when we come out of the elevator, I point and I go, look, a message for you. And all of the nice people staying at the Spanish Bay. They've never seen one? Oh, come on. <laughs> Not on a pad outside yeah. an elevator and then, at that and joint. Then, and then people are constant. Then I guess management wants to take my little penis pictures away, and then I have to constantly <laughs> replace them. I'm going to tip off security this year. Right, okay. <laughs> Let me get kicked out. If you're going to kick me out, I'd be thrilled. <clears throat> it's going to be great. I'm getting so excited about it. I'm all over the place here, but there's so much to talk about. We've also got uh, this fella coming on from the L.A. Times who's got a new podcast, Larger Than Life, um, where he is profiling the Watts riots and uh, the L.A. drag racer scene, and specifically Big Willie Robinson. He's going to be here in a little bit. i got to get through some of the business of of the stuff that's going on. Um, To prepare for my forums... My forums, I have two, Adam Carolla, and then I have the Porsche Racing Forum, which is Porsche the company, Patrick Dempsey, Hurley Haywood. Maybe I'll try to talk Jerry to coming up on the stage, but I'm, remember, not, sure, I'm I, not sure what he knows about racing. But I wait. remember a magazine that had a forum section in it. That's Penthouse Forum, yeah. That's right. We could incorporate some of that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. What if I remember that? <laughs> hey. hey, Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but last night I rewatched Hurley Zuckerman. Have you even seen Hurley, the movie that Pat Dempsey made? Did you watch it? We, oh, you went. You went we to Soho were there House, right? together, Grandpa. No, I didn't go. Okay, I was there. Yeah, Grandpa, you're <laughs> grandpaing on this one. I remember I was out of town that day, but I had watched it and I rewatched it so because I want to be familiar with it. But boy, what a story! What a story! What a racer Hurley Haywood is. The amount of knowledge he has about racing and Dempsey too. The Peter Gregg story. Peter, that was fascinating. The huh? fa- yeah, his personality, the real personalities and, that were involved. Right, and how Hurley Hurley Haywood's career is over. If, you know, they talk about him bringing his his partner to the track, and someone just comes up to him and goes, "Look, you can't." He doesn't mind that he's gay, but you can't bring your personal life to the track here. Your career is over. Is it so different it's over. today? Maybe yes, maybe no. It is. I, don't know. I mean, I think most. I mean, mo- in sports, I think it's probably still a struggle. I wouldn't know. I, I don't know. That's not my. Uh, that's not my fight. I have different fights. But uh, the accumulated so knowledge of Hurley Haywood and Dempsey, they're going to be there at the at the uh, Pebble Beach Forum. Tickets are still on sale. I'm also giving away tickets. That's right. I've got five pair of tickets that i can give to you listeners it's uh i believe it's friday of next week which is the 16th maybe at 11 a.m 
And um, if you want a pair of those tickets for free, $85 a piece, they're for free, ladies and gentlemen. Zuckerman, please let me try to get the information out. <laughs> I turned away from you, so I didn't have to look at your nonsense for now. You're, you're Fatsian nonsense. He's like Fats. a little kid. He's just like he's, No, he's like everywhere. my dad used to do. He's, a, he's pesky. I was trying to give away tickets. DM me. I only have five sets of tickets. They're worth $85 a piece. Don't sell them. You can use them. And uh, if you're going to be in Monterey, I'm happy to get you there. Adam Carolla is sold out and so oversold out. I don't have any tickets for that. Knock, knock it off. Please. Please. Do you not get excited by stickers? No. Really? My nine-year-old gets excited by Are stickers. Are you going to bring some home? No, because then he puts them on his wall, and then I have to pull them off, and I pull the paint off, and then I'm calling painters. That's God, what happens. Or they, lady. or they end up on my cars. Oh, Grandma Ferriston. Oh, Grandma. Can't have any fun around here. <laughs> <laughs> there can't be fun when I've got all this to get out. I've got stuff i got to no get fun, out. No fun around here. No, right? it's, it's not Podcast fun. One. Anyway, I feel like we've covered the Pebble Beach forums you got to come check it out. What I was trying to get to before Zuckerman interrupted. Zuckerman, you're going to be there too, right? You'll be hanging out there. Yes. I can't have you on stage because you'll do this, and that will be too disruptive. But you'll be there. I'll be in the audience like a monkey. (laughs) 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 With arms waving. Like like the windy guy on top of the car dealership. Can I get you you a little cage (laughs) off to the side with a seat in it? People, kids can come up and feed you peanuts and you can give them stickers. Yes. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Anyway, um, I forget where I was, but it's going to be great. And here's what I would do if I were you. I'd be I'd be in the audience because I always leave a little time for Q and A to have Hurley Haywood answer your racing questions about racing a Porsche. Put my hand up. Isn't it amazing? I will put my hand up. This is a forum, Ferriston. How does this relate to Penthouse Forum? They're really stupid. They're really stupid (laughs) names. I know the forums, but I make them fun. I make them enjoyable. You guys can ask some questions there. And, uh, you know, I just forgot how much Hurley won Daytona 24 five times. Yeah. And as he's helping Dempsey in this movie with the racing, the, the tips there and their timing, the switching of drivers, the amount of knowledge, accumulated knowledge of this guy in racing is really extraordinary. And on top, what I, what I liked about the movie, too, what I like about his stories, he had a natural affinity for it. Somehow he had a natural affinity for driving fast, which, of course, he then honed through practice and practice. But he was a pretty great driver just getting in the family car. uh, No, he got a a go-kart first. And his mom said to him— And then was it a Corvette after that? No, wait. His mom says to him in the go-kart— I'm I'm finally seeing a personality with you. When you get into that go go kart, you're turning into someone, right? Right. And then he starts driving at age twelve. He starts driving yeah. the family car at age twelve. How does that happen? I just start. I'm just going to start driving, right? Different time, different place. <laughs> My son Jack is twelve. He's just about to turn twelve. I can't even imagine. I still have trouble with him riding his bike down the street. And then the Corvette was in college. He yeah. took the Corvette to college, and he, he, he started racing it. Now, he, it turns out he has all this in common with Peter Gregg. Right. Right? He had a Corvette. He was in college. Peter Gregg's 10 years uh, older than him when they finally race against each other, and he beats Peter Gregg. Peter Gregg loves the attention, can't get enough of it. Hurley Haywood can't stand it. 
sometimes thinks about crashing his car so that he doesn't have to do the interviews after the race. Such right? different personalities. Such two extreme personalities. Yeah, it's cool. So, you know, we're all going to be up there together. Come see us. It's going to be a lot of fun. As I said, if you can't afford the tickets, I've got five pair to give away. You're going to DM me now. Zuckerman, I know you're going to enjoy this next topic before we get to uh, our friend here, Big Willie Robinson. No, it's not. No. See, you are a nine-year-old. No, it's about uh, the Type 64 that's coming up <laughs> oh, for <auction>. and poops. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Hannah Elliott, who writes for Bloomberg, um, I also believe, who is uh, dating Magnus Walker, right? Uh, don't, they, don't they live together? I thought. Doesn't matter. It's slightly irrelevant. Wrote an article last week about that car that she titled, The $20 million Nazi Porsche that may not be a Porsche at all, right? Great now, time. you and I have been talking about this, like, for the last three or four weeks, trying to make sense of this car, right? She does not pull any punches. A car built for the National Socialist Motor Corp in 1939 has become the most controversial vehicle to go up for auction in years. And she puts the word Nazi Porsche in there. And she goes through... It's true. She goes through Andy Prill's report. You know, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but this is, this car is going up for auction next week. First of all, question to you. I, you know, have you read the article? I have not read that specific article. Okay. But just, okay, just hearing the headline, what do you think that does to buyers? Well, yeah, I think it scares him away. It's like, okay, it's not as bad as that dud, the dud auction of Hitler's last limousine, right? right. Like, who wants to be that, that didn't guy? sell? No. Nobody wants to have Hitler's car. Right, um, right. Yeah, it's not a big sale. It's like, it's like having, you know, Ferdinand Marcos' car. Nobody wants a dictator's car. The conflict, uh, I mean, <clears throat> Nazi history aside, look, we're all well aware of what happened there, and, and that's not news. But this car... Here's the line. The conflict that has wealthy collectors whispering is that the Type 64 may not actually be a Porsche. Well, it's not. Followed by Andy Brill, who says it's not. It's not a Porsche. We, you and I have I'll been say saying Porsche. this all along. It is not a Porsche. Wow, the it whole, is not a Porsche. The it's not audience a Porsche. is so happy right now. They're so it's, happy. It's not. You're pronouncing it correctly. It's and you're not. right. They put on the Porsche badge Later. afterwards. Right. Then but, why are they trying to market this thing as a Porsche? Well, they try because it's really it's for Ferdinand Porsche had designed this car at the behest of the of the Nazi Party. He designed many things at the behest of of the government, uh, and it looks a lot like the direction he was going to eventually. Uh, go in, which his son then took up that standard. And it, you see the relationship between the Type 64 and the 356. It is in the family, and it is the earliest car that really stands out as a design that emanates from the Porsche family. Now, people should know that Ferdinand Porsche had a very long history in the automobile industry starting i think even prior to world war one and certainly was one of their of the instrumental designers at mercedes-benz for their ssks their their big vehicles he also designed the volkswagen what became the volkswagen beetle and he designed tanks and armaments um do you know we share a birthday <clears throat> ferdinand porsche and myself same day september 3rd how about that wow yeah 
64, year of the invention of 9-11. And it's a type 64. And you were born in 64. Wait, you see how it's all making sense. QAnons, are you listening? QAnons? Yes. I'll tell you who else. And I forget. Hurley Haywood and Peter Gregg, same birthdays. What is that? That should have been the whole movie. We should just (laughs) do a movie about same birthdays. Anyways, so his take, Andy Prill's take in this article, which is a very illuminating article with a questionable headline. While the Type 64 is a direct ancestor of the Porsches that came later, it's a mixing bowl heritage that disqualifies it from branded distinction. Yes. Right? Because company Porsche company didn't had, exist. Well, a, the, it didn't exist as a company. No, but for the law, we have the, the 001 Porsche, right. right? We have that car. We know then what we have it the, is. Then we have the Gamun 356s. So, it, I don't know. Am I wrong in saying Aram Sotheby's is here out trying to sell this as the first Porsche? Okay. It's not. All of that. Why did they do that? Whose decision was that? Or are they even doing it? Is this I, fake outrage? Do I have a right to be outraged? I do think at the right price, it's a really cool piece of proto-history. It's uh, Neanderthal man to Homo sapiens. It's, uh, it's, the, it's a missing link, so to speak. Uh, <clears throat> correct. But, but on its, on its own, what is it? I don't know. And it's, and it's certainly. But so, what is that number? This is where this is where you and I started, and this is where we've heard this car come up for sale. It's been offered to friends of ours, and it all it's, it never gets sold. And it seems to go up and up and up, and everybody gets to the same place over and over again, including now Bloomberg, who's laid it out in a very coherent, you know, nice piece that I, puts it all together. But still, we've been here before. I can give my. Value. And here it is. I just want to. I, I just before you do that, I'm at. I'm on RM Sotheby's site, and here they are advertising it as the 1939 Porsche Type 64. Right, the antecedent of Porsche's historical evolution, the first and sole remainder of three examples, but they're calling it a Porsche. They're saying uh, among the blah blah blah. blah. I, I like those little histories there, but then when they talk about the car. But they're positioning it. But if you're reading between the lines, they they seem to agree with this, right? Right. And then and then they got Zwart, Jeff Zwart, and somebody else uh, uh, from the Porsche community to go out and attest to this car and how great it is. And I don't know. I feel like they abuse those guys too and use them. They're trying to sell. They're trying <clears throat> to sell. They're something. salesmen, right? They're salesmen, so they're doing their job. I think that they're. But why is- would you consort with auction folk? When you lay down with auction folks, you wake up with fleas and lice and fraud. Fleas and fraud, right? Do you you disagree with me or do you agree with me on that? Would you trust auction people? Would you put the good name of Zuckerman and attach it to the auction folk? For money. (laughs) For a lot of money. So you ask me, you know, why would Swart be supporting it? And I don't think that they – Paid him money for that. I, I, I find that to be curious. I do think the car is cool, and I think the car— Well, they're for, lending their reputation to the for, authenticity I of believe a, a true collector would pay a couple of million dollars for this. Okay. That's what I think. That's reasonable. True. Yes. I Not— think, well, One here's to what, five. Here's what they One want. One to five. They want 22. That ain't happening. Think of all the things you could buy for $22 million that are real. I'll tell you what will happen. These guys are probably feeling the heat right now and have probably got that crazy little network of— uh, 
fake bidders. Is that what you were going to say? The <laughs> allegedly, other F word? allegedly so, so. fake bidding system where it gets sold to a mysterious Russian somewhere, and then it's gone, so and for- then it's then it ends up on Telecrest in Europe. Telecrest. <laughs> Telecrest? What's that? That's where the cars Black go. Hawk collection. <laughs> yeah, the Blackhawk. I don't know about Blackhawk, but I've seen stuff that that supposedly sells end up right on Telecrest. Yeah, you're holding up a little raccoon videos. We like the little raccoon videos on Instagram. I find it takes the pressure off during yes. the day. You see them with their little hands greedily <clears throat> eating. So, well, anyway, I you know I liked the piece that uh, that Hannah wrote. I thought it was cool, and I thought she did a really good job of kind of putting it all together for us. And still, it leaves us all with a head scratch on <laughs> what the car is. But it is what it is. We wish R.M. Sotheby's a lot of luck with it. Um, I was going. I had all my little pocket uh, auction guides to bring in today. I blew uh, that too, and I left them home. But uh, we really don't have time. We're gonna we're gonna talk to this guy about his podcast about Big Willie Robinson, which is gonna be cool. I feel like we've covered everything. Unless you have anything to cover in this first act of Spike's Car Radio, did we leave anything out? We covered the T-shirts. We covered the tickets. I hate selling stuff, Zuckerman. This is it. I don't think I'm doing another shirt after really? this. Really. Well, I have I have one more idea, <laughs> but but I it's you know why do I have to go sell stuff? Bill's hats. Did you see what happened? Out, you have, have you been to Malibu? <laughs> Has he sold out? <laughs> he said, you know, my thing was, look, I don't care what you you can obviously do whatever you want, but I'm not going to handle sales. I don't want to deal with sending people stuff. And he goes, it's not going to be a problem, okay? The f- one of the first things that happened is a girl who follows us in South Korea <laughs> said, I need one of these, and sent this South Korean address. And, you know, it was already problematic. And, and we're going to send her one. We, you know, we love her and, and whatever. She's one of our fans in South Korea. But still, I saw Bill the next day, and he goes, this is insane. He goes, it's going to be my whole job, like just mailing hats. And I said, yeah, I tried to tell you that. <laughs> Most people don't live in Malibu, you know, and we're talking about them and people like hats and now you got a job. But he says he's up for it. His dream is to do this for Jerry, you know. Really? Yes. To send the hats out with his salami fingers, yeah. with his greasy chicken <laughs> fingers. Just everyone should be prepared to have grease stains on, on their hats. That's hilarious. Bill really, you know, doesn't clean his hands off after he makes a sandwich <laughs> and goes to the hat counter. <laughs> How about the number of people that call that direct message me? And he goes, you know, he can, he cannot be nice after a while, you know. Sometimes, are you sure you want to keep being his friend and doing the podcast there? And I'm like, yeah, that's what we like about him. He's the deli Nazi. He's like the soup Nazi. That's the whole idea. If he's not nice to you, do better, and then he'll be nice to you. But you have to do better, there not is, him. It's it's like there is a there is a very thick crust, and inside <clears throat> that thick crust beats a very warm heart. Yes, but you have to chisel away to get to that little nugget. <laughs> or just how about follow the rules, right? He has one simple rule: like he put that little cell phone sign up. Don't be on your phone while you're ordering. Today, this morning, I texted you. I was at Le Pain Quotidian. Is that how you pronounce LPQ. it? LPQ. LPQ. And, I, and I've got these entitled uh, West Side moms on their phones. There's a, lo- a giant line, and they're talking and trying to order at the same time. And I wanted to, I wanted to kill them. Suck Why them didn't in. you? <laughs> I, I did the right thing, and I just left. I just walked away. Wow, that's but I, mature. But I couldn't understand. 
I just couldn't understand the, the, the loud conversation. People are not to time and place. It's like the people in the airport. Let me give you an example. But don't you, if you notice a line behind you, don't you go, let me try to get myself out of here first yes, just to yes, be polite. First. And I also, walking through the airport, I just don't <laughs> stop in the middle of the of the walkway <laughs> when some guy like me is, be, is behind about to run him over with luggage. Right. Uh, here's the deal with Bill. Know what the fuck you want when you get <laughs> up there. I mean, imagine you're, you've been to a restaurant I want before. you to be the guy with you, the menu talking to the line, yeah, and you, I want you to say it just like that. Yeah. Know what the fuck you want. Right. Look here. at the menu. This is lunch. There, this yes, is eggs. Lunch. This is eggs. This is not – your the menu is not some tablet from Aliens that, that you need to decipher. There's no Rosetta Stone. You have an idea of what you want. Mm-hmm. Order it. Practice saying it in your head, and when you get up there, say it clearly. Don't say um. Oh, so don't ask him what okay. should I eat today. Devil, devil's advocate. <clears throat> you're in Malibu. You're having a nice summer's day, and you're kind of cruising in. And there's wings music playing. Right? You're in that mood. It, that's the the interface that doesn't work. People are kind of grooving on the beat. They're smoking their weed. They're coming in and relaxed. And he's like, I need to get you in and get you out. And that's that's where we see that little that bump um, I that chuff that get, rough. Okay, I'm not mentally lazy when I'm ordering. In fact, if I'm hungry and ordering food, I'm focused. <laughs> okay, so I'm not all just wafting <clears> in <throat> on the eagles, having a peaceful, easy feeling, and I'm high. <laughs> and I don't no, no, I'm hungry. I want some fucking food, and I know what I want. So if you do it right, just like the real soup Nazi, a place I used to frequent, and I got in trouble the first time. You do the order the way the guy wants the order. If you want his food, it's that simple. Right? Yeah. Don't DM me that you had a problem. You change. All right. Well, Zuckerman. And order something on the menu, too. (laughs) Yes. Right. And order a hat. Don't bother me about the hats. But go to Blipshift and get your new Plan Z shirt, which we're really excited about. I'm wearing mine today. My son said he liked it. He said it's cool. He said it looks good. Excellent. It was rare to get a compliment in my house. We'll see you in one minute with more Spikes Car Radio. Let me tell you something. Did you know most people have no idea whether or not the motor oil they're using is good enough to protect their engine? Everybody's driving around not even caring about what's going on under the hood. Only one brand literally goes the extra mile to test everything, including ensuring they're the right motor oil for your car. And I'm talking about Valvoline. That's right, Valvoline is the only motor oil brand in the world with an engine lab completely dedicated to testing motor oil. Valvoline takes their products and their competitors, I might add, and runs them through the gauntlet. I'm talking thousands of miles. Then the engineers and technicians take those engines apart to evaluate exactly what happened. Please don't try this at home. Trust that Valvoline has done it for you. Was there carbon buildup? How did the seals hold up? Did the engine perform like it was supposed to? And most importantly, were the critical engine components protected? You don't know, but Valvoline does. So when Valvoline is formulating motor oil for your engine, they know exactly how it performs and what protects it best, because they've seen the results firsthand. It's why I trust Valvoline in my car, and it's why Valvoline has been trusted for more than 150 years. Head over to Valvoline.com slash spike to see what product is right for your engine. That's Valvoline.com slash spike. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Welcome back. We're here with... uh... L.A. Times staff writer Daniel Miller. How are you, Daniel? I'm all right. Thanks for having me. And he's got a new podcast, a docu-series from L.A. Times Studios. I didn't know they had their own podcast studio over there. It's called Larger Than Life. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. 
And you've got Zuckerman over here. Hello, sir. Good to see you. Keep your hands away from his mouth. (laughs) Is my old college friend Dave Warden still writing for the LA Times? Oh, boy. I don't believe so, but there's been a lot of churn at the paper in recent Mm, years. Yes, nothing's the same. Churn. Um, Welcome, man. Thanks for coming in here. First of all, LA Times Studios, what's that? So LA Times Studios is a relatively new venture. It's sort of like a sister company that does podcasts, Mm -hmm. documentaries, and, um, you know, other digital ventures. And, uh, you know, the LA Times has new ownership over the last year. Uh, Dr. Patrick Soon-Shong, a local billionaire, bought the paper and has been investing heavily. So it's, it's a good time to be there. He owns all of Koreatown. He does? No, is, that's Dr. Lee. Dr. Is, Lee owns Koreatown. Your doctor is the is uh, the hurt the supplement guy? No, his doctor is an event is a medical pharmaceuticals. That's right. And he uh he's actually a, has a small piece of the Lakers if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. and um owns quite a bit of real estate in El Segundo. We are now in one of his buildings. We left our historic headquarters in oh, downtown. Right, right. So I've got a commute now on the wow. 105. Yeah. Who is in the downtown building? So it is being redeveloped, and it's unrelated to the Los Angeles Times. Um, it will soon be pricey condos, as far as I know. Um, uh, but we have a beautiful brand new building with a podcast studio, much like this one. So uh, it's exciting to be at a legacy paper that's, you know, trying to re- reinvent itself. Okay. So you got this studio, and you decide you're going to put something in it, or do you have this story? Or th- tell me how larger than life comes to be, and then tell everybody what it's about because i had not heard any of this except i'd heard about the watts riots but i didn't know there was a car related story uh involved sure so um the podcast is about big willie robinson Mm -hmm. a legendary los angeles street racer six foot six muscle bound titan uh, an african-american man who believed that he could use cars to unite people um I first heard the name Big Willie Robinson in spring 2017. At the time, I was covering the entertainment industry for the paper, and I was sent out to a car lot in the Valley to do a story about how local businesses might be affected by a WGA strike. There was no WGA strike, it turned out, but uh, local businesses were extremely worried. And one of the companies I spoke to was a picture car company. So they outfit vehicles for productions, film and TV shows. And uh, the owner's showing me, r- me around his car lot, and he stops at this busted-up race car. 1966 Plymouth Barracuda, but it was totally a mess. No windshield, no roof. And it said, uh, Street Racers, Inc., uh, National and International Brotherhood on the side of it. And he said, you should know what this car is. This is the car of one of the most famous street racers of all time. And I gave him this dumb look. It was obvious. I had no idea what he was talking about. And he starts telling me the story about Big Willie, you know, that he was friends with a publisher of the LA Times, Otis Chandler, that he was friends with Mayor Tom Bradley, actors like Steve McQueen. I thought he was BSing me. I didn't think it was real. And I started researching it then, and so much of what he told me was true, and it set me off on this journey to tell this guy's story. Wow. And it all uh, starts with the Watts Riots, which is in 1965. That's right. Zuckerman, were you around for the Watts Riots? You weren't around. I was was one (laughs) year old. old. (laughs) But I have to say, in a way, it starts with the Watts Riots, but he's Big Willie before then. He was a Green Beret. I believe he, well, let's, he was, well, well, let's go yeah. through the story with the, with the context and first kind of lay out the Watts riots, right? Sure. That, it, that's it, five days of violence. I'm just going to go through some stats for everybody because there's a little younger generation that might not know about this. That left 34 people dead, 1,032 people injured, 4,000 arrested, and did $40 million worth of property damage here in L.A., right? And it begins with uh, a traffic stop. That's right. A traffic stop of a teenager for drunk driving. 
That's right. A young black man was pulled over. Okay. And it quickly devolved into chaos. Mm -hmm. Uh, Citizens, you know, swarm the police as this arrest is occurring. People start throwing rocks at the cops and it mushrooms from there. And South Los Angeles devolves into chaos. And, you know, the riots, I think, really exposed L.A.'s deep-seated problems. Um, L.A. was largely a segregated city at that time. Uh, African-Americans were living on the south side and... Uh, They were dealing with intense police brutality, and this was sort of the moment when things exploded. But it created an opening for Big Willie because he had this idea, and it's kind of a Pollyanna idea, right, that cars can unite people. Mm -hmm. And it sounds a little naive these days. But he I, I don't pushing think it's it. naive in any way. No, no, it still it still holds true. I think the car people that that we meet are the some of the most welcoming people in the world, right? It, it, I I it's, noticed it. It's it, we, you know, the Smothers Brothers were talking about it when I was talking to Dickie Smothers. He said, you know, in in entertainment, you're boxed out of certain areas, but right. we would turn to the car people, it, and they're like, "Hey, you want to race? I'll take you to the track and teach you how to race." Oh, you love cars? I love different cars, but we all love cars. There's an aspect of it that's a great equalizer. <clears throat> Two guys a- can stand looking at a car together they can be completely different socioeconomic classes but they can both share their opinion about that car so it's the one thing that they can talk about totally i agree so so big willie now how how long after the riots is he getting this notion that it's drag racing that we're gonna unite la through drag racing that's right and and really doing it on the street so it's street racing it's illegal street racing it's illegal street racing and you know and, but how long after the riots does that about begin? a year after he a really year starts after. pushing this right so there's still tension a year after in la between oh, yeah. the police and the community oh yeah the rubble's still on the ground in south la okay. when he's doing this right um and i mean i really have to stress just how audacious this was because this is breaking the law, street racing, right? Right. And he is so successful at uniting people that the LAPD reaches out to him. Now, this is a police force that at the time was known in South Los Angeles, like I said, for its brutality and for its racism. But they reach out to Willie. They actually track him down at a street race and say they want to work with him. He winds up having a meeting with the leaders of the city at City Hall, and they say they want to help him stage races on city streets. <laughs> So, I mean, come on. No, the race is, but just just a dumb question. Who are the races between at that point? Now, is he uniting just his community or is he saying, come on, we're going to race the cops off duty? You, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, no, of course. So, is he, so, Or is he channeling the anger of the community by saying, let's channel into something productive? Street racing. Yeah, and I think he's able to convert that anger pretty quickly into something that's joyful. And it's not just people in his community. He gets people from the valley, people from the suburbs, people from all over to come to South L.A. And I think that's what really struck the police, which had to do a lot of damage control after the riots and had to sort of change how they were perceived. And how many many nights a week were they doing these races and where were they? So it's a lot of the streets that we all know in Los Angeles, down on La Brea, Exposition, uh, Rodeo Road, which is now named after Obama. Yeah. Um, they and it, But it wasn't just South L.A. They would go to, to the San Fernando Valley as well. Um, he did this all the time. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I would say seven days a week, but this was constant. This was a culture that he was helping create, and it was just <clears throat> everything to him. So, it, yeah, it says here you've got, you've got cops, you've got criminals, you've got movie stars, you've got miscreants. 
I'm pointing at Zuckerman. <laughs> and he, you've even got Crips and Bloods on uh, the drag strip. And it's just a straight line race. That's These right. two cars are going up against each other, and whoever gets to the end wins. Yeah, right? usually a quarter or an eighth mile. Sometimes they just would point out a tree or a lamppost. All right. And um, all right. Well, you brought some clips, right? That you're going to play for us? That's right. Do you right. want to set something up? What do we have that's, uh, that's first you're going to play for us? So this first clip we're going to hear is from the first episode. And what it does, I think, is really give a sense of this guy's persona. The podcast is called Larger Than Life. He really was larger than life, and you'll hear it here. What sort of person would believe that he could steer the young and the impressionable away from gangs and drugs and keep them safe on the bleakest of streets? Someone outsized in every way. Larger than life, man. Like six foot six, 300 pounds. He's the man. His biceps were as big as my weight. It almost seemed like people wanted, maybe even needed Willie to be this way. Huge arms, man. It was as big as my head. Bigger than my legs. Giant. The vehicles he drove, muscle cars that were big and bad, perfectly matched him in size and spirit. Okay, this is a car that was banned from NASCAR because it was too fast. And they had the biggest wing on the back. You saw this car coming a mile away. Willie did it all, including a stint in show business where even small parts as an actor led to big-name friendships. Steve McQueen, Paul Newman, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, there's nowhere you're going to find this, but he was asked to be Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a tease? <clears throat> yeah. He was asked to be Darth Vader. So episode four is all about his Hollywood ties. <laughs> and yes, we do explore that claim of his. He had real ties to the Star Wars franchise because he was friends with one of the producers, a guy named Gary Kurtz. Uh-huh. Well, I guess the size, yeah, the Darth Vader. That would be perfect. And the big arms. Um, well, it sounds great. It sounds so organized. This is one of those organized written podcasts, isn't it, where you write the whole script? And then oh, yeah. Do they, do they uh, LA Times, do they have to go through it with you? Do they give you notes? I'm curious. Do you just, or do you get complete creative freedom when you put that together? Oh, no. We had a whole team assembled. We work with a production company called Neon Hum Media here in Los Angeles. Uh, so we had an executive producer, producer, an editor, a, re a really great team. This was my first podcast. I've you know, long been a print journalist. And so I certainly needed help along the way. And, you know, it sounds great. Yeah, but not like our schlock. No, I, mean, I was going to say something. Like, don't this, you want to get this, some of those music cues? I and want create... the music cues. I'm like, forget Ira Glass. Dun, We've got the dun, guy dun, over dun, here dun, now. Dun, dun. Yeah. Zuckerman's going into the bathroom. Dun, dun, dun. But what would we find when he came out? Dun, dun, dun. What's on my hands? Stickers. <laughs> <laughs> dun. Dun, 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 dun. I like it. It sounds great. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Are you have you always been a gearhead? I mean, did you really respond to this, or is this just uh, journalism for you? Well, I grew up around cars. You I, did. I come from three generations of LA car dealers, so I grew up at a car dealership in Culver kind, City. Oh, what kind of dealer? What kind of cars? It was called Culver City Import Group. So it was Nissan, uh, Mazda, Subaru, Suzuki, and Hyundai. Wow. And um, you know, I uh, I work there in the summer. Uh, I drive my grandfather's uh, 1972 240Z. Wow! So Datsun and Nissan is sort of a big part of uh, a big part of my life. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a car guy. Now, where is uh, Big Willie Robinson's car? Do we know where that is? Is that the Peterson or something? So it's a, was a bit of a mystery. Uh, his main car was a '69 Dodge Charger Daytona with a Hemi, and um, it is gone. That car was called the King Daytona. Uh, there's a, a pretty rough story in one of the episodes, episode three, about how a racist actually destroyed his car. Oh, God. Um, his wife had a matching car, the Queen Daytona. It was crashed um, back east uh, at a drag strip. He had another car, the Duke and Duchess Daytona. 
that car was actually auctioned last year at uh, Meekum Auction in uh, May. I went out to Indianapolis for it. That car is a non-Hemi uh, Daytona. It fetched something like $203,000 uh, with the buyer's premium. A beautiful car stenciled with uh, the Brotherhood logo on the side of it. Um, it doesn't have that Hemi, though, so for collectors, perhaps not as interesting. Um, <laughs> and there are a couple more cars of his uh, out at that lot in the San Fernando Valley. And when did when did uh, Big Willie die? So Big Willie but, uh, passed away in 2012. Um, and, you know, he, his legacy has sort of faded a little bit. And, you know, that was one of the aims here, to kind of reintroduce him to a new generation of people. Um, you know, I think that his message can, can resonate. You know, we were talking about it earlier, you know, that cars can unite people. Mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to be cynical these days, looking, looking at how divided the world is. But, you know, he made it work after the Watts riots. If it can work then, you know, maybe it can work again in a major way. So he, a bring, hero, real hero. Bring some drag racing to Washington right now, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> drag racing and drag. Yeah, we unite I just find cars that. to be, especially now, just it's very relaxing. Just like you can get in your car, turn everything off, right? It's always been that way. It's not only a unifier, it's also just, uh, it's Valium for me. Right. It, but I like, it, it, A, the driving, B, if you, you can see the effect if we go say to Malibu and we park our cars and and we have something interesting in the parking lot and you just see the people gravitate to it all people from all over the world all walks of life and they're all going to uh, get there and and share whatever their observations usually incorrect too which is charming <laughs> they're incorrect let's go through those top questions that we hear is number one <laughs> no 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 is it real is not one what's number one the number one guy who doesn't know car question about your car. What is it? <laughs> no. What year is what it? What year is it? What year is that? Yeah. Is that a 65? The guess. Yes, yeah, you're the, right the about year that. Guess the guess would be number one. The year one. guess is the number one question. It's right. funny. Then you, number you're two. The, you're a journalist and I mean, by, hence a psychologist. Why is the year? Are we all trying to get a point of reference and share our, our knowledge? I think because people are trying to sort of tap into their own memory bank. Right. You know, did I, was I, was, was I driving when that car came out? I mean, when I drive my Z, which is nothing uh, particularly fancy, um, I can't tell you how many times it's been a way to connect with people because they say, man, I had one of those in high school or man, you know, I had one in college. What year is that? Oh, yeah, I was at UCLA back then, blah, blah, blah. Right. I think, I think you're very kind, Daniel. But I think most people are kind of morons and can't come up with an original question to save their lives and have not anticipated the moment that you've probably been asked that about your car a million times. I'm with Daniel on it. I think Daniel's got it. I think you've got it, too. I mean, I think it's a combination. It's come on, let's be honest. That's probably right. It's like, you know, the number of times I've seen people walk up to Jerry and go, where's Kramer? It's like, yeah, okay. For we never 30. heard that. It's the, that, you know. Just, it, Most yes. people don't go. Okay, let me let me ask the question behind uh, that. Do something a little more interesting. I understand people are are you know filling the air. But I would expect that you guys also get questions from people who are kind of trying to stump you or display their expertise. That those guys don't ask the questions. Now they those tell. guys, you'll catch them like reaching. It's always they reach under the wheel well and they touch something <laughs> under there and then they point to their son or wife and go, "Yeah, I told you it was fake." Or here's one: the, you the see, because I can feel yeah. the fakeness. Or the real a real connoisseur will do something very strange. Ask to open the door and smell the inside of the car. If it's a vintage car. Also a real pervert. Has that second <laughs> right, not, like no, we're not you. talking shoes or underwear, Ferris. <laughs> we're talking cars. 
They, they know that old cars have a particular aroma that is not replicated right. these days. I'm sure your your 240Z must have its own peculiar smell that is nowhere else in the world. You know what's now. a good question yeah, is how did you get your car? That would oh, be a I better like question, that. right? Tell me about because you have a great you know story about how you have your Z. It's my grandfather. That's I love stories, and that's what I frequently will ask people. How did you get it? Tell me about this car. And they'll tell you the one or two salient facts or the interesting stories that come along with it. But the year is slightly irrelevant. That's a no, question actually, I think yeah. of. That's a, that's a, a, a game show question you're right. asking to see uh, how throat smart clearing. you are. Throw clear. What, what year did you it? get your uh, – what color is that Z? The Z is white, which is what it was you know, from the factory. Not my choice, but I'm keeping it that's stock. All, no, why not? What's the interior? Is it black? It's black vinyl. Very hot black vinyl these days. Yes. <laughs> all right. We have to take one quick break. We're going to come back with more of Big Willie Robertson's podcast, Larger Than Life. We'll be right back. Think of all the weird things found in cars. I'm not talking about your garden variety petrified french fries or the stuff Moise leaves in the front of my GT2 RS, like melted crayons and all sorts of exotic fruits I didn't know existed. There's also live snakes, bizarre trinkets, the kind of stuff that just makes you wonder about folks. And I do wonder about Moise, who shares our GT2 RS supplement. Another thing that's going to make you wonder, but in a good way, are continental belts. No, not the things you wear in your pants. These are for cars. And I bet you didn't know they're OE in tens of millions of Chrysler and Dodge, Ford and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also OE on the majority of BMWs and BMWs, two of my favorite brands. Now, Continental's launching the aftermarket multi-V belt and the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series belts that are fanatically engineered for the perfect fit, form, and function. And Continental has an OE technology series multi-V belt for 98% of vehicles on the road and in the U.S. and Canada. Hey, you get enough surprises working on cars and trucks. A belt should not be one of them. Go with the Continental OE technology series multi-V belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, go to oetechnologyseries.com. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. All right, we're back with LA Times staff writer Daniel Miller. He's got a Viceroy on his wrist, too, if I'm not mistaken. Is that what that is? That's what that is. You're like old Hoyers. He's one of us, people. His new podcast is Larger Than Life from the LA Times studio, and this one is about uh, racing legend, Big Willie Robinson, who appeared about a year after the Watts riots and unified Los Angeles with drag racing, illegal drag racing we've got a few more clips to play there was no after the last la riots there was no drag racing was there the lesson of big willie was not learned right actually he had a racetrack on terminal island that had been shut down during the la riots after the riots the powers that be helped him reopen it again so he had an actual track he had gotten people off the streets and onto a racetrack it sort of had a two-year run, 93 to 95. You know, you could bring your Porsche out there and yeah. and drag race. It was open to everyone, but it, it again closed. You know, Detroit has a similar strategy with their population there. It, it, we were shooting uh, there three or four years ago, and you've got the gangs of kids on their uh, uh, dirt bikes, you know, just flying, doing wheelies down the road. It's spectacular to see. And we had a police officer with us, and we said, how do, that, how do they get to do that? Because it looks pretty organized and very funny. He goes, he goes we don't care. If, they're, if people are committing crimes and they want to do that and that's how they express themselves, we're going to let that go. And I thought that was a really smart strategy. And, it, and again, it's kind of a Big Willie Robinson strategy, which is this is legal, illegal drag racing, but it works. Absolutely. You know, and, and we're going to be flexible. I mean, I literally spoke to uh, former LAPD chiefs of police mm-hmm. and others at the department who said that crime went down, particularly vehicular-related crime, when Willie's drag strip was open on Terminal Island. Wow. 
Well, I'm getting excited that we're going to be able to illegal drag race again, Zuckerman. <laughs> what would we race? Where call, would we race? We would call Busy Moto <laughs> and get a 1,000 horsepower <laughs> minivan. All right, Daniel, play us another clip. We want to hear more about this. All right, so the next clip that we're going to hear is a bit about Big Willie's uh, legendary uh, Dodge Charger Daytona, the King Daytona. You'll hear all about how that car came to be. Only about 500 of the first-generation Dodge Charger Daytonas were ever built, making them extremely rare. And on top of that, the Daytona that Willie got was one of just dozens outfitted with a high-powered Hemi motor. He painted his red, and he called it the King Daytona. There it is. There it is. So I just want to point one thing out. Yes. That car you hear idling in the background is a Dodge Charger Daytona with a Hemi. I was dead set on <laughs> on finding the real sounds of, of right. one of these cars. I didn't want to use stock audio. So they only made a few dozen with a Hemi. So I basically had to go on a scavenger hunt to find one. And there's a guy in Orange County who has one of these beautiful cars. It's painted green. And he let me drive out there with my recording equipment. I have my face like inches from the tailpipe with my microphone yes, inhaling the exhaust. But we got the authentic sound. And, you know, that was important because I, I thought that if, you know, true car people were listening to this podcast, they would just, you know, call bullshit if we got I it wrong. I love that. I love details like that. Mm. Yeah, most networks would not give a crap about it. But that's right. I I think there's a vroom, Will. Speaking of uh, uh, sounds, there's a vroom in our podcast at the top. And people always ask me about that. What was the guy's name again? Who Who was here? <laughs> Oh, Rich. Rich. Yeah. I, Is that him just going? No, I pulled that room sound effect. And and what's that from? I don't know. Where did you go? Did you go to the lengths that Daniel went to get us I a good room? I went to uh, a car enthusiast website called freesound.org <laughs> and found it from there. Well, if you're listening and you can identify that sound, you tell us and uh, we'll give you a Valvoline sticker. <laughs> All right. Play, play us another clip. We, we don't have much time left. Here. So the next clip we're going to hear, uh, I uh, felt that I had to go see street races in South Los Angeles mm-hmm. if I was going to tell this story. It took forever to see some races. They're, now, you know, what does that mean? Illegal street races? These are illegal street races. And they're still going on right they're now? They're still going on. Okay. Almost any night of the week, you can find a race where two <clears throat> cars square off for a pot of money. And how did you find them? So as part of this podcast, I got to know a lot of members of the Brotherhood of Street Racers. Willie's uh, group is still around and active, and uh, they were very welcoming to me. Uh, and, you know, I got tips, I got text messages, I got emails about where to go and when. I struck out, I can't tell you how many times I'd be sitting on a deserted street, you know, in Compton at three in the morning <laughs> oh, waiting dear. for a race that never happened. Really? But it, are they always going on at that time of day? I would say that, you know, each night, you know, people meet up at like a Del Taco parking lot around midnight and it kind of starts from there. So, yeah, it can go really late into the evening. Uh, the races that we eventually wound up seeing started around midnight, lasted till three or four. Um, so in this clip, you'll hear what happened when I went to one of those races. We made our way toward the action. People crowded the starting line, their mobile phones trained on the cars as they took off. At one point, the driver of a Chevy Camaro lost control right off the line, his car fishtailing wildly mere feet from us as he struggled to maintain control. But it was otherwise an orderly affair. That is, until I heard someone yell 5-0. In an instant, it was chaos. <laughs> What are we doing now? We're running from the cops. <laughs> we were across the street from my car. It was up the road a bit, in the direction of a police cruiser whose lights were flashing. But racers were speeding by, making it impossible to cross the street. Dude, where's my car? All right, well, let's be safe here. 
cars here. We sprinted across the street and hopped in the Kia. My heart was pounding. And then we were arrested for driving a Kia. <laughs> no, my car was in the shop, so I had a Kia Soul, a rental Kia Soul. <laughs> Up against the car! What are you driving? Is that the most, Daniel, you seem like the nicest guy in the world. Is that the most illegal thing you've ever done in your life? Can you get in trouble for watching an illegal street race? You know, the cops just want you to disperse. They just um, want you to get out. Yeah, they pulled somebody over, and, right. you know, that guy had a bad night, but everybody else fled. But as a journalist, I guess, guess you're entitled to kind of tag along on anything where where is that professional line like if i were to say to you hey zuckerman and i are robbing a bank tonight <laughs> you want to see what it's really like <laughs> would you be able to go along with us i you know i don't know the answer to that one but i will tell you that we <laughs> did talk about this at the paper because i knew right. i was going to go do this and yes. i had uh, i had a producer with me we were getting audio and video uh, there's video of that night on our website um uh, I was basically told after some consulting by um, some of the bosses at the LA Times, don't get arrested. Right. And okay. I basically decided <laughs> how to approach the night with that in mind. So when it came time to run, we ran. Right, right. Don't get arrested. I can't. Did lawyers give you that advice? It's good advice for anybody, by the way. Don't get arrested. <laughs> yeah, I think it filtered down from on high. Yeah. That's good that you got to do it. But boy, that's an in- it's an interesting little question, isn't it? Well, it's fascinating. I'm, you know, I, I think that might be your next series is this illegal street racing scene. I, I really have a ton of questions about I want to know how the whole thing works, right? Oh, yeah. It's a wild world with rules and dramas exactly. and beefs. And you wouldn't, I, you know, it was a pleasure to sort of dive into something I knew nothing about. I'm a car guy, but I did not know about this What are some of, of the it. rules when you say rules? So every race is a negotiation that it's just like, two kids in high school like uh talking trash out. calling each other out like they're gonna fight okay. uh but they never actually fight but most of the time is spent talking trash so you will have uh the pot established two grand or something like that right but then you will have an endless negotiation of who gets to be in which lane because of course you know the outside lane could be sloped a little bit right because you're racing on city streets um sometimes the cars don't have equal performance you know sometimes you've got a Dodge Challenger with 700 something horsepower, one of those Hellcats, mm-hmm. and the other guy's got a 5.0 Mustang. It's not a fair fight. So, does one guy get the jump? So, the jump is when you know your competitor can't leave until you've left. And there's just different things. It can get very arcane in terms of how these races are staged. And how are they? How do they start? They don't bring a lighting system of any kind, right? So <laughs> Willie back in the day brought a Christmas tree. He, he brought did. he brought lights out onto <laughs> the street. Um, Zuckerman, are you okay? The phlegm, yeah. I can hear it. I let two sneezes go, but that trombone you just blew back there. Are you Jewish all right? Jewish call. <laughs> did my phlegm problem suddenly transfer to yes. you? What happened? I've just got dust in the air. <laughs> I've you never seen him that. in a loss, a loss for, for words. A loss what for happened? words. What happened there? Zuckerman? I don't know. I mean, uh, so I'm thinking, of, you know, where does Dominic Toretto come in? Oh, he Vin, comes in. Does he really? Oh, yeah. In our Hollywood episode, we get into the ties between Fast and Furious and Big Willie. Um, there is a Dodge Charger Daytona in one of the Fast and Furious movies. I spoke to the picture car coordinator. He grew up a fan of Big Willie, and he put a red Daytona in that movie, and, you know, I'm not sure he would say it was a direct influence, but mm-hmm. definitely Big Willie was in his heart. Wow. Wow. There you go. It's fascinating, man. It's really cool. You've done a, a great job here. You seem to have a very exciting life as a journalist, 
now you're now a car journalist. You know, and uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I reviewed some cars for the LA Times last year. Right as I was getting into this, I tried my hand at automotive. What do you think about that? Oh, it was brutal. I would never do it. Really? <laughs> and I have Why? a lot of respect for the people who are able to do that. Right. You and know, make it entertaining. Right. I mean, Dan Neal was at the LA Times. He won a Pulitzer One at the, the LA best. Times. Yeah. And now he's at the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I mean, you know, there's two things. First of all, I just think it's so hard to trans- translate your feelings about something like a car into uh, something that others can consume and relate to it's right. a real skill mm-hmm. but also it kind of took some of the fun out of it for me yeah um you know i think this allows me to approach cars and my interest in cars from kind of a, a side angle but when you're reviewing cars you're deep in it and you're dealing with the you're dealing with the car companies themselves you're dealing with the pr people you're in that machine and it can be ugly and there are enough people doing it right now yeah right yeah. there just are enough people doing it this is far more interesting uh uh, uh again Congratulations. I think it's great. My computer just went down. It's called Larger Than Life. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. That's anywhere, right? right? Anywhere. And, and also latimes.com slash larger than life for tons of videos, photos, archival documents. We've and got then it let's all. get that uh, illegal street racing scene podcast up and running. Hey, that's season two, right? <laughs> I'd like that. I would listen to that. Because, you know, and it's like Zuckerman's Outlaw Archive. What Zuckerman has kind of taught us all about the Hells Angels is the organization of the Hells Angels, which is something I didn't know existed. And it sounds like there's this, this, this structure there, too. These little, I don't know. I find that stuff fascinating. Formal organizations. Formal organizations. Yeah, of something highly illegal, and of, of course we don't want to uh, aggrandize it and glorify it. But still, it's uh, takes on it takes on aspects of a culture and an organization. They fun. figure out their little rules, their their mores, their the way they handle things. Interesting. Yeah, it's a whole world. It was it was a privilege to be able to dive into it. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming by. Come back sometime. Uh, Zuckerman, you have anything to say before we go? We're going to be up in Monterey. Zuckerman and I will be there. We'll be there. Come look for <laughs> us and buy your we'll Plan be... Z t-shirts. <laughs> buy your Plan Z t-shirts. We'll be at the Inn at Spanish Bay. We have forums on Thursday and Friday, and then we'll just be walking around like the rest of you for the rest of the time. I'm Spike First, and we'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app, or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Hey, Jordan here. I know a lot of you create your own podcasts, and a lot of you already have one like me. I obviously love what I do. It's taken a lot of hard work to get to this point of success. You shouldn't have to pay fees for platform hosting, distribution, analytics, or fees to create a podcast. You need to be able to focus on producing the best show possible. Now, Podcast One, that's a network I'm on, they have Launchpad Digital Media, or Launchpad DM for short. So it's free, includes unlimited hosting, full control of distribution. You have access to a full dashboard with analytics. Again, totally free. You own everything, by the way. You own your content, you own your subscribers, no tricky stuff there. And you get your own show page on launchpaddm.com for people to listen to and subscribe to your show. It's the only hosting platform brought to you by the leading network, Podcast One. Podcast One will promote the site, drive people to discover your podcast. And if your show grows, you could even be invited to join Podcast One's all-star roster, which includes people like Adam Carolla, Caitlin Bristow, Shaq, Lady Gang, and of course me, Jordan Harbinger, I'm there too. You also get access to their production and sales support. So with all this completely free, don't use other hosting platforms. Why would you need to? Learn more or sign up now at launchpaddm.com. And don't forget to check out the Jordan Harbinger Show.